The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Dave Koken, good spot there. Yeah, we were talking about Tapper during the break and right before the break about changing over the bars. I love that show, but there have been more than a few places where they were like, eh. Didn't like the result. Uh, I'll, I'll go into that. So Paramount Plus is the new streaming service that I just got. Yeah. And Bar Rescue's on it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's a Las Vegas season. Oh, you didn't watch it yet? I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to go. They haven't put the new season up yet. Like, what are we doing? What? Yeah. I watched the whole season already. I know. I don't even have Paramount Plus. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was That's, definitely part uh, of my frustration. That is the hardest part of the streaming. Because you remember, that was one of the... Thousands of morons, hundreds of thousands of morons. Would, you know, maybe not on radio, but I would come on like five years ago, and I'm like, I'm cutting the card. It's a better world with all the apps. It is, but it's not. But but there are problems there, too, because it winds up being more expensive, and it is hard to find stuff. And then there's shows like Bar Rescue that seem to be on, like, four different platforms. And sometimes you get every season, every show. Then you go to a different platform. It's only got, like, the most recent. It doesn't have the most recent. So it's a big game. Infuriating. I don't know. Absolutely. Infuriated. You can't win. You can't win. You can't. So uh, update for your travel coming up, right? Sure. We got football frenzy coming up. We'll get to a couple of college football notes. We're going to get that conversation that Dominican Sue had on ESPN talking about the Raiders. That's coming up in just a couple minutes. Uh, your first trip for a vacation. Like this is a big thing now for anyone who, you know, isn't struggling too badly because everything is so G damn expensive right now. You're, you know, we're back to kind of a normal summer, right? You can travel a little bit. Now, gas prices are obviously, you know, that's going to hurt the airline prices. If you want to drive somewhere, it sucks. Well, But, I mean, for, the, for us, this is like our vacation time. Friday was the busiest day at airports oh, it was. Of, the, of the year. And yeah. what happened with the airlines? A lot of cancellations oh, and a lot of delays. Here we go. So, and I, and I think it's important. Like, I actually have, people are, I think people are either dumb or ignorant or whatever. They just don't. They don't want to know what's going on. Right. Like I have I have friends that just say dumb things about what's happening. Yeah. Like there is a reason this is happening that does make some sense. There was a lot of staff cuts during COVID. Like mm-hmm. planes weren't going anywhere. Right. Now all of a sudden they're like, we're back to a full full slate. Oh, we don't have pilots. Oh, we need to train pilots. Oh, we don't have flight attendants. We need to train flight attendants. Yeah. No, but why are they selling don't then why are they selling tickets? That's a fair point. I mean, they they think they can be up. To, you know what I mean? Like, well, they have. If you the, don't think rest, you can fly, then don't sell the product. Right for the rest of the summer, like a lot of airlines have cut a lot of their a lot of their flights. But yeah, they they were hoping. You know, three four months ago, when we put these flights on sale, they were hoping they'd have staff up up to. You date. don't think there's something sinister to selling the product and then getting people's money, of and then course. you're like, yeah, well, you know, we'll get them on credit, and then I, I wonder what the number is percentage wise of a credit that's actually used. Well, of course. Like I, like I, I will every once in a while cancel a Southwest flight. I, I, I might have pissed away five thousand dollars over the. I have no idea. I don't know where the hell the credit is. But I think that that, that and I'm is, a lunatic. I'm cheap and I'm a lunatic, and I actually pay attention to this. But stuff. I think that's part of it because you say, all right, when when they put they put it usually six months out, like they put they start putting tickets on sale for a flight, and you're like, well, we'll have staff by then. That'll be fine. And if not, mm, good point. Who cares? <laughs> because as you said, right. if not. Then yeah, then we're we've got we're giving people credit, and even if we have to compensate them in some other ways, like we're going to make the money back in the long run. So I think it's it's a balance of just don't care and right. overly optimistic. Like yeah, we're going to be ready to go by then. And how how often in anybody's workplace are you like 
Yeah, in six months we're gonna be doing. We're, yes, we're gonna have all this taken care of. Really? Here? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I'm supposed to go to California at the end of the week, flying. Me too. Eighty twenty, ninety ten, ninety nine one. What do you think? I think it'll be all right. I mean, my, I have a flight Thursday. All right, I'm okay with it. I think we're gonna do it. Now, the the, the best part about this about California is your flight gets canceled, you just get a car and drive. Well, that's not, the, that's not the best part. I mean, it is the best. Like, yes. I mean, you have an option. So, yeah, it's yeah not, you're, not, you're not flying not, four hours away. You're right. Right. But you like driving. I don't. I don't want to drive anymore. Neither do I. That's why I'm flying. But, but I mean, if worst comes to worst, if I, if yeah, but there was a point where you would actually you would tout driving to California was better than driving to California is better than flying. I still think Be- it because is. of the weight, all the rigmarole at the airport. Yeah, I still in think, and out. I still think it is. You're well, crazy. Start, you're crazy. And, and the the caveat is if you're renting a car in California. Then you definitely drive. A hundred percent, you drive. If you're renting a car, if you're not renting a car, it's a little bit different. Because I will guarantee you, any whatever you want to bet, that by the time if we leave, if I leave at the same time you leave for the airport, I am to where I'm going before you go to the airport, wait for your flight, get on the flight, get your bag, get your car. And then get out of the airport. I'm there before you. Okay, I'll have to set up a race one time because yeah. I'm just flush with cash. So and so yeah. are you. But if you're if you're taking an Uber, we're, we're going to do bag, we're going to do a summer race one day. Yeah, if you're taking an Uber and not checking a the bag, then it's different. What are you talking about? That's what do you mean? <laughs> just just crunch some pads, please. I knew what you were saying. I just, yeah. I wanted to get out. And, and we've talked about getting out of conversations by just walking away from them. I can't walk away from you. We're doing a show. That's true. Why didn't we do the walk away on, on Friday night? It was a perfect time. I don't know if people, live, we've discussed, like the, the, uh, cause we, right after COVID, we said no more handshakes. I'm like 50 50. I'm an uh-huh. idiot. I'm shaking hands but, all I, over the place. I, but, I, but the new, the new one is awkward conversations. Just stop talking and walk. No, we, somebody did it to us. They beat us on it. I know. No, they said goodbye. Yeah, but it was, it clearly was. Oh, it was like. We were having small talk with yep. another local yep. media person. Yep. And we, you know, it kind of ran its course. Yep. And there was like, the conversation was going fine, back and forth, smooth talk. And then there was like three quiet seconds. He's like, all right, see you guys. Like, yep. perfect. Well, we got beat. I know. We both said walkaways are now common. I still can't do it. You better. Other people can. You screwed me up. I can do it. I can't. I feel like it. a jerk. Well, you are a jerk. So what's, what's the difference? How often do I just stand I'm there? Like, like you're gonna change your reputation by walking away. Like, okay, at the I'm end of the conversation, because you don't know how to get out. I don't. I'm just like I'm just gonna stand here, I guess, for another 20 seconds. All right. Well, I guarantee this will make for some small talk. Uh, Ohio State athletes have surpassed 1,000 NIL deals in one year. Buckeyes rank first in NIL compensation. Number of athletes with at least one deal. Of course, they were already doing it. I mean, they had a head start. I mean, they were already doing it illegally. So why not just roll that over? Poor Michigan. No money. Exactly. Never cheated. No ability to oh, no, generate money. No NIL. It's going to be a disaster for Michigan. Oh, I'm sure Jawan does. Yes. But I mean, please. <laughs> yeah, I was that, hoping you weren't going to de- no, that, that make was, that claim. No, that's what I've always said about why I loved Beeline. And I didn't, I, I like. You, with, had a, you had a pride about being uh, a top 30 program without a chance to win a national title top, because, because you supposedly you were clean. Not supposedly, they were clean, and Beeline—they right. never even got like top two hundred recruits. Next, next up is bragging about academics. 
great academic submission. I get it, but they like when you when you don't achieve on the same level as your rival, you don't get to turn to academics or that you know they they use NIL better. It's Michigan, legal now. Michigan's basketball program under Beeline was better than Ohio State's was. They, they were they were Sweet Sixteen every year, Final Four like once every two or three years. I think it's about the same. I think it was about the same. No, no, and it, and it was clean. That's why I was like, "What well, Juwan? Now expectations are through the roof. We're just throwing money around and cheating, whatever you want to do." Now you have to actually you actually have to win. But I love all the excuses around Ohio State. Listen, I don't like Ohio State, but you knew they'd be organized because they're lunatics. Their fans are lunatics. They're going to have the money because the other thing that's going on is Marcus Freeman last week. Like, come on, dude! You played at Ohio State. You're going to take shots at them now academically. And I just, I, I just, I can't stand the academic thing. Like you play big boy football, Michigan and Notre Dame are in for the same guys that Ohio State is. You're you can walk in any house around the, the all three are national recruiters, and then when they lose out or they don't win as many games, like oh our academics are you know are great. Now it's the academics. Oh, it's, I mean it's, the standards are awesome. I had a guy today who was going at was going at uh, Brad Powers right, who's a Notre Dame fan, and he goes he's talking to someone else, and he, he goes. Uh, you know, you can't have a – you can't speak to these guys rationally, right, in, in this conversation. Like, they don't understand that Notre Dame has, you know, unreal academic standards, except that he spelled rationally rationale. <laughs> like, you can't tout your academics and then miss – I'm not a grammar police. I'm terrible, too. Proofread. Well, he didn't get in. Well, believe me, I was going to ask. I'm like, <laughs> whoever, like, you didn't go to Notre Dame. So you don't, you don't get the flaunt – they're friggin' academic. You you didn't go there. It's always the excuse, though. Oh, we don't. Well, it's academics. It's Cofield and Company live on the road. And that'll do it. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. The Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. Jams, baby. What are they gonna say now? I love the Warriors Redemption Tour. Watching some highlights of the parade today, and Draymond Green is just telling everyone to shut up. This is like the most put-upon NBA champion of all time. In their minds, it's pretty crazy. Uh, Mark Spears covers the NBA. He's certainly familiar with uh, Northern California and the Warrior scene. He uh, writes for ESPN, does TV for ESPN. Joins Steve and Adam here in Vegas. How are you, sir? What's happening, man? It is. It, am I am I off on this one? It is a little bit weird that the. It, it seems like the Warriors really felt like they were kind of dissed all year. Yeah, I mean, there's some alcohol inducement. <laughs> <laughs> Things change. Yeah, it, it, I mean, they've basically been, you know, uh, drinking a lot since uh, Thursday, right? So uh, maybe after the dust settles. Uh, they they won't be as spry, right? But um, you know, this, this is a franchise that a lot of people were saying before. Media were picking not to make the you know the postseason, let alone compete for a championship. I oddly saw something different, I guess. Uh, I just knew, but my projections of them potentially making to the NBA Finals included a healthy Wiseman and a healthy Clay. I, I I didn't expect them to. I wouldn't have expected them to do that without Wise because I think they he desperately is what they lack. But you know, playoffs are also about 
and the matchups they got, you know, uh, in their defense really wasn't truly exploited by bigs as, as it potentially could have. Like, I, I actually believe that Miami would have been a bigger problem for them than Boston. Uh, because Boston's so perimeter oriented and you know was twenty first in the NBA and uh, points in the paint that I just I just felt like the Warriors matched up well against them with bigger them out, which they did. And uh, but yeah, they they certainly have received a lot of the hate, especially from probably a lot of my brethren, <laughs> people I work with. And so I think right now, like Draymond's Draymond, he's right. none of that surprises me, right? But I do think even. Some of his cursing today was probably a little alcohol-induced and fatigue-induced. Yeah. Um, but but Curry has shown more emotion over the last couple of days than I've seen in his entire career. And it's been cool to see. Yeah, I, I was going to say, do you like it? I, I like it. I like seeing this stuff. And, the, 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 you know, he admits it's pettiness. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. no, they're, they're really enjoying the whole petty thing. Uh, but like when you win, you can be petty, right? Like they got a whole summer to talk. Um, I, I think most of it's probably getting out of their system over this weekend. So, you, I mean, you mentioned you, you know, you expected if they were going to be successful, it'd be a healthy clay, a healthy Wiseman. I mean, those things could potentially happen next year. How much faith do you have that we see maybe that Warriors team that we potentially envision this year and, and could be even better? No, they will be better for sure. Uh, assuming they're healthy, because you got to feel like Clay will have a training camp more confident. Um, I think he'll be better after, especially he gets some rest. So typically, when you come back from injuries like Clay's, you're you're better the second season, and um, so they expect Clay to be much better. Wiseman, uh, for people in Vegas, go see him in summer league. And when you watch him play, assuming he's healthy, you're going to be like, they're going to add him? <laughs> yeah. You know, because he is, look, I'm saying a lot. He's been hurt, but he's like David Robinson reincarnated. Wow. Um, he, he's, he's got special talent. He just has to stay healthy. Mark's long, he's athletic, he can yep. shoot, he's going to pose, he can block shots, he's everything that they need. And then add to the fact that Kaminga, who I expect will play in summer league, and Moody, who I expect to play in summer league, and, you know, those guys and Gary Payton and, like, those guys will be better too. It's, it's scary to think that everybody, all their young guys will be improved. Would LaMelo Ball have worked with his team? That is a great question. Uh, I'm sure, like, I do think he would. Because he pushes the ball, and he probably could have made it easier for Steph and Clay, shot-wise. But I also think that, it, you know, I, I kind of always feel like you could find another great guard. And finding people like Wiseman is hard. So it's, it's easy to question that right now. I'm not saying that you are because Wiseman hasn't played. So I think in the same vein of, you know, people don't really beat up Phoenix about Luca and Trey uh, because, right. you know, the Aiton has figured it out. Uh, although Sacramento 
their situation was different. Right. Um, I, I think that once Wiseman plays, once you see what he gives to this team that is a guard-heavy, small team, like this team is small, man. I, I, I think that there's going to be some teams, like when they look at it, kind of kicking themselves for not having the right personnel to beat them. But this team was one of the smaller NBA teams ever. And Wiseman gives them some size that they probably haven't had since Andrew Bogut played there. Is around the league, Mark Spears is with us, around the league, is Kyrie done with the Nets? And if he is, where does he land? Uh, man, you guys are really coming with it today. <laughs> uh, Hot topics, baby. Uh, um, like they have to figure it out in terms of keeping the asset and then going from there. Like, right? Because um, say what you say, you want to say about Kyrie, he's still amazing. He's still a top ten player when he plays, and he will play because you know. Well, let's pray that COVID kind of dissipates into something that we can handle and not something hanging over the season like it was this past season anymore. And if such is the case, then he's, he's still a bad man now. Like, if, if, if COVID wasn't involved in this season, where would we be with the Nets? Right? Right. So, uh, I, I think with them, they got a, I mean, it, I, I think they're kind of worn down from the headache. But, boy, if you trade him now and he plays 82 games and you don't get the, the same kind of value back that he's worth, you'll be kicking yourself. So I think it kind of maybe behooves the Nets to just kind of st- take a step back, take a deep breath, truly evaluate the situation. And um, even if you, I mean, you have to sign him for big dollar, top dollar, but I, I feel like as long as he's not having to deal with the, the COVID situation, that he's going to be a superstar in this league. Last one with the uh, NBA draft coming up on Thursday. We just saw a big odds change on uh, Paolo Bancaro jumping from like 10 to 1 to go number 1 to like 2.5 to 1. The Magic are saying they haven't decided yet. Do you believe that? And is Bancaro now legitimately mm-hmm. in the conversation? Hey, man, I'll be honest. He's my favorite player in this draft. And that's what I'll do respect to everybody else. Um, He just, I think Orlando needs somebody that could come in and help them now. And those other two guys, with all due respect, um, Jabari and Holmgren, I think you need time with them. So when you look at Orlando, how many young guys do they need? <laughs> like, right. How many projects do they need? With Holmgren, I think he has the highest ceiling, but perhaps the lowest basement. It's just it's a lot of risk and potential reward, but also a lot of risk. I do think Jabari is a great player, too. But when I watched Banchero play, I saw him play two games. Got that, you know, see him 15 feet away from me. He's 6'11 now. And he's strong as an ox, plays both sides of the court, is a leader. I think when you bring him in and, like, spend time with him and see just just really, I think they need somebody to help them now. 
And if if he does go number one, I think that's what Jeff Weltman is saying. It's like we can't be patient no more. Like how patient? How, how many years of patience are they going to have there? <laughs> like, got to take a step forward. If you're going to take a, a young guy high, he's the one that's going to vault you today, and you know what you're getting. And I think Orlando's just in a position now where they can't just take risks anymore. And the other two guys are some potential risks there, whereas. With Ben Show, I know what I'm getting. That's, that's a um, 18, 10, and 5 machine to me. Mark, we know you're slammed right now with work. We appreciate you carving out a couple minutes for us. Thank you so much. All right. See you all in Summer League. Yes, there sir. Is. Mark Spears, always a uh, guy who's out at the Summer League, ESPN, Northern California dude, used to work for Yahoo. What do you want to follow up with? No, I was going to say, was that we've already talked about, but did, did Houston miscalculate? And, and just assuming that they were going to get that he was going to be available at three, guy. right? So they <laughs> trade Christian Wood, and they're like, "Oh, we'll get Pangaro, Pancaro," and I was like, "Oh, wait, now he might not be there." Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's what we assumed was their thought process. I guess if that was the case, you could wait till after the draft. But um, yeah, just it seemed like they just thought they were going to get a clone of or you know a similar player of Christian Wood, and that's why they moved on from him. And then all of a sudden, now they're like, "Oh, wait, our bad." Magic under contract this coming year. Jonathan Isaac, young guy. Markel Fultz has turned it around decently. Mo Bamba. Wendell Carter blossomed. Yeah, he was in that deal with Chicago. Jalen Suggs, young guy. Are both of the Wagners under contract? Yes, they are. Mo and Franz. Want to make a Hans and Franz joke? Future stars. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Franz more than Mo. Both. Cole Anthony. RJ Hampton. And I'll stop there. I don't know if I need to give a pop to Admiral Cofield. Admiral Schofield. Part quit, of the roster. Quit a squad. Yes. All right, so right now, who's your choice for number one pick? Who do you favor? I mean, I, I've never really liked Jabari Smith's game that much. Um, I do think Holmgren has a very high ceiling, but again, as he said, floor might not be there. Like, he could be a total bust. But the upside could be tremendous. Sure. And I don't really understand the I, – I get it. Like, they have a lot of young guys, but where are they going? Right? Isn't this a build? Isn't that the whole point? Yeah, but, I mean, to what end? I mean, I, I, I guess you just keep stockpiling talent and hope it works out. But hey, for you're building part, a team that is, in a lot of ways, going to play positionless basketball. Yeah. You know, well, we, a lot of dudes who are 6'8 to 6'10 who can play – all the way out to the two if they need to. It also seems like they're, you know, again, what happens with a lot of these builds is you're drafting for the next team. You're like, oh, we're, we'll draft and develop you for whoever you're going to sign with under second deal. Which sucks. You're saying why? Because they're going to want to leave or they're not developed enough? Yeah. And like, then you have to, you pull the plug and then they develop somewhere else. Yeah, we've got, now we're developing nine guys. Well, if you're going to draft 19-year-olds and you got to be patient, yeah, then it's, it's probably going to be a four or five-year process. Yeah, and then they leave. Not always. You have the advantage, obviously. You, you, sure. With the NBA rules, you can sign them for more money than someone else can give them. Who signs in Orlando? Well, that's that's been the problem. Yeah. Well, they can turn it. It doesn't mean they're going to suck forever. They might. I mean, Memphis looked like they were in freaking a living hell, and they, they got the right guy. Yeah. And they was... drafted really well. So they got John Morant. They nailed it. Like we said, John Morant was the number one pick of the draft, not Zion Williamson. By the way, I see so many people now who are like, I knew it. Like I didn't. Hear, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Send the tape. 
Send the tape. Because you, you, you and I argued it, not with each other, but we used to have McKinnell in here who bought the line that Zion was the, the best guy in the draft, and we're like, no, nah, it's John Morant. We did it. That's a fact. Not this bull crap of tweeting out, oh, yeah, I, I, I said it the whole time. Everybody knew that. Send me the audio right now. Now. Prize time, 364-1100. Caller 7. 364-1100. Morrissey, 80s legend, Smith's. His own solo career, Viva Las Vegas Coliseum Caesars, July 1st to the 9th. We've got tickets right now. DeMond will hook you up. Call her 736-4100. If you don't get our tickets, you can grab them at Ticketmaster.com as Morrissey is in Las Vegas to start July at Caesars. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Just past the halfway point in the show. Adam Hill is here. He's the company. It's Cofield. Big week of uh, following up on what's going on with uh, the coaching front in the NHL. VGK has a coach last week. Bruce Cassidy hired Pete DeBoer. We'll talk more about uh, PDB in the 5 o'clock hour. But Pete DeBoer got a job. Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars. We'll have updates on Raiders free agency, at least some chatter. In the 5 o'clock hour. But right now, fat pack time. Food, lifestyle, just general griping about whatever. Story out of Wales. They got me on this one. I usually don't I do not do international stories. It's just a weird rule I have. I feel like it can't be verified like I want it. But anyway, this was in the New York Post. Headline. I drank 30 cans of Pepsi a day for 20 years. What? 30 cans? Yep. Hmm. 30 cans of Pepsi a day. That seems like a lot. You think? Yeah. I mean, I've talked about in my heyday, in my 20s, when I actually had a metabolism that moved a little bit, that uh, I would definitely do like a 44-ounce Mountain Dew from the convenience store and chase it down with like one of those Hostess apple pies or pudding pies. I mean, the chocolate ones were the best ones. A lot of sugar. Yeah. A lot of sugar. Now, I don't look good, and I'm not in good shape, but I don't look like this guy. This guy looks like he, we'll have to send out a picture. He looks like he drank 30 cans of Pepsi a day yeah, just for like, 20 years. I mean, I think the caffeine is just pouring out of his pores at some point. Like, there. the weight is not good. He's also got the deep-set eyes, and I would peg this guy for 57. Andy Curry, he's 41. I think he's 26. No, he's 41, but he does not look good. By the way, speaking of that, I had a car repair I had to get done today. I picked up the car. I, you know, I was, I'll put out my license and the credit card. And the guy was like, man, that doesn't look anything like you now. I'm like, oh, all right. I, I dropped the line on him. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Last couple of years, I've aged like 10 years every year. Then he was like, oh, the beard, the beard, the beard, the beard. It's different. I'm like, okay. Sure. Sure, I'm like, saying. all right, just you can you can tell me I look like hell. That's that's fine, fella. But Andy Curry, eighty six hundred dollars a year to drink soda. I mean, good for you if you have it. I guess if you want to, if you to spend your money. Grocery store worker. His wife's a volunteer. Like, bro, where is this even in the budget? Oh, maybe he's getting. He might be getting discount. Grocery he's store a, owner to the grocery store. Yes. How much of a discount? You can get a good, nice little employee. He's discount. telling you how much he spent. Oh, I think that's the retail. Eighty six hundred dollars a year. Uh, they estimate it. He started in his early 20s. He drank, uh, to this point, 219,000 cans of Pepsi. Is that a lot? 
Yeah. Like, I like soda, but man. I mean, I think at some point, even opening that many cans, like, your fingers are probably pretty messed up, too. Mr. Curry, we are lecturing you. <laughs> yeah. Adam Hill and Cofield, this is not good. What, I mean, is he not? Does he not eat though? Too? Maybe he just. Oh, he that, eats. Maybe that's all oh, he has. Oh, he eats. It says here, uh, doctor revealed that he was pre-diabetic. Really? <laughs> what? Let me read it again. Doctor revealed that he was pre-diabetic, comma, after gaining 266 pounds since early adulthood. Yeah, it'll happen. Also, like he's he's very he seems very proud because he poses with all the Pepsi's behind he him. He does. Yeah. He does. I mean, mix in something else. Yeah. Like a nice tea or something. Yeah, he's married. It's good. Sure. So he, yeah, he's probably stepping. So that's what that's if, one what positive. If she's like, yeah, I'm more of a Diet Coke lady. <laughs> that'll bring, that'll be the what ends it. Yeah. Not the two hundred and sixty six pounds he it's gained like, or spending eighty six hundred dollars a year. He's like, I like a nice seven up. This guy spent like $170,000 on soda. Well, he must have it. This, well, it doesn't have any more. He's holding, like, he's also holding up a glass of water, which it looks like it has fish in it. <laughs> so he uses his water glasses for a fish house. So we were talking earlier about the the uh, the party here in town with aquarium the Warriors. Is what it's called. What? It's called an aquarium, not a fish house. Yeah, we're moving on. <laughs> this, is, this is when I walk away. I, like I said, I can't walk away. That's our new thing. We're just going to walk out of conversations we don't like. I just have to transition. I just, you know, just move on. So the Warriors partied in Vegas this weekend. How many Pepsis do you think they have? I don't. I have no idea. I don't know. But apparently, I think Neymar was there, too. Who's Neymar? Soccer star. Okay. Neymar? Neymar's playing in the World Series of Poker. We're going to get Dave Shane on next, talk a little uh, gambling, and especially about the World Series of Poker, and find out uh, headline in the RJ. Neymar almost got thrown out. What? Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's talk a little poker, a little sports gambling, a little VGK. Dave Shane, RJ is with Adam and Cofield. What's up, Dave? How are you? Hanging in. How about you guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I want to hear about the uh, some of the big stories early in the World Series of Poker and and Neymar. You had a story today on Neymar that was interesting. Yeah, everybody uh, everybody knows Neymar if you're a soccer fan. Uh, so he was actually at the World Series. Showed up last week uh, for the first time in a handful of years and bombed out pretty early in the tournament. But uh, last night he was in a what's called a Super Turbo tournament, which is basically the structure goes really fast. It's like a one day tournament. Which, if uh, if anybody has ever followed Neymar, the poker player, that's right up his alley. So he actually cashed in the tournament. But uh, the kind of bizarre thing was on the money bubble. I guess he decided to get up from the table, which is a little bit of a no-no um, as they kind of try to sort out how many players are left. So he was over talking to some friends, and apparently a security guard went over and basically said, "You guys need to leave." And he kind of looked at him and said. Uh, I'm playing, and I think he kind of did one of those, you know who I am (laughs) sort of things. So everything got straightened out and and all of that. And, you know, to be honest, it wasn't quite as big as maybe we all, you know, made it out to be. But anytime, you know, somebody is uh, on the rail and some security guard says, uh, you need to get out of here, it's uh, it's kind of noteworthy, I guess. So, especially, yeah, you know, especially somebody, it's a little Neymar kind of stuff. 
Yeah, especially somebody as prominent as Neymar, for sure, That when that happens. Yeah, uh, yeah clearly clearly not a uh, soccer fan that security guard was. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you made a reference to him as a player. Is he just, he's just ultra-aggressive? Yeah, as a poker player, yes. He is, from, from what I've been told, I haven't seen him, like, play in person, but everybody says he's either out really early or he's like got a huge stack. He's a chip leader. He's just kind of a kind of a maniac at the table. It sounds like all all action and uh and no rest. Which you know, I guess for a soccer player, if you're if you're doing that, that's probably uh fitting the personality. So when you talk to experienced players who have you know a lot at stake, what do they think when you know athletes, famous people come in and play like that? I mean, they're all for it. Usually, yeah. I mean, they usually call them dead money and all that sort of stuff, but. You know, it's interesting. I mean, like, over the years, we see a lot of guys. I mean, you know, Paul Pierce was a, was a big guy at the WSOP for a lot of years. Uh, hockey fans would recognize Phil Kessel. Um, there's legendary stories about Phil Kessel and poker on, you know, the, the team planes and, and all those sorts of things. He's, he's usually a regular. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind, of fun. It's, it's kind of neat to see, like, the poker players tend to get not totally, like, starstruck, but, you know, they tend to be like everybody else and, you know, Start wanting to chat them up, and I don't know about autographs or anything like that, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of neat to see, and and certainly I think uh, you know they'll feel like they have an advantage on it anytime a uh, pro athlete wants to throw some money in into the uh, prize pool. I think all the pros are more than willing to let them sit down and uh, get double cards. Looking back since this thing you know really exploded, say you know fifteen years ago, and more stars are in it from an athlete standpoint. Can like who is the most disciplined, like high level? poker playing athlete who's had the most success you know what that's a really good question so i'll actually go back a little bit just because i know like phil castle is is uh is pretty well known you know as a poker player um I, you know i don't have to really think like paul pierce made made it a good run a, a handful of years ago um trying to think you know the one that comes to mind actually now that i think about it richard seymour um really? the former defensive tackle yeah he He's actually, I haven't followed it this year, but I know a handful of years ago, he, he was borderline what you would call a pro. Um, he was playing a lot of tournaments, kind of making a run at it. Um, he's a pretty prominent, prominent player at the table and obviously, um, you know, pretty recognizable for his size. I know uh, Kalei Campbell um, was another football player that we saw early uh, in this World Series. But, but yeah, I, I, think, I think now that I kind of, Roll through my head. Maybe Richard Seymour is the one that that I would give the answer for that. I'm looking at a list, just you know, just a random search. Ten world class athletes who are also poker stars. I don't know what that means if they're if they're winning. Um, I didn't realize that Boris Becker liked poker, huh? He's running a little bit of trouble huh. of late. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him. I know. I know there was a there was a cricket player who actually recently passed away named Shane Warren, um, who was I think Australian. He was a he was a big poker player. Um, all the players knew him, and he was—he's very outgoing. He was very prominent, so maybe he pops up on that list he too. Is, but he, yeah, there's a few guys that that yeah, yeah you know, you you maybe wouldn't think of, and you know, they like a little action. So nothing yeah. wrong with that. Shane Warren was on the list, and then right behind him is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who I don't think is coming to Vegas anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, probably, probably not. Although I think they cleared him on I that. Know, so. <laughs> but I, I think after all that, I would stay out of the town. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree with you there. That'd probably be good advice. What, what is the scene like in general? I mean, we had obviously the explosion of poker, and then it kind of died down a little bit, and then it was coming back, and then we had COVID. So, like, what is the scene in general like right now at the WSOP? 
Yeah, pretty similar to the way it was maybe, say, pre-COVID. I mean, I think, you know, the gauge and the, and the judge is always going to be the main event. But, you know, we saw early on they had that housewarming tournament, which was a $500 buy-in. So very affordable, and that drew more than 20,000 entrants, which made it the fourth largest tournament of all time. So there's been a bit of a resurgence. I, I think what we've seen, and I don't, you know, I've certainly hesitated to call it a boom, but during the pandemic, you know, as online poker started to you know, become regulated and legalized around the United States, certainly like Michigan. Uh, it's legalized here at WSOP.com uh, here in Nevada. There's games in New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, as we're seeing some of that and, and, you know, the player pool growing, there, there was a little bit of a resurgence. You know, we one of the stories that I had done was the WPT in December is going to hold, you know, the biggest uh, live guarantee, $15 million for a poker tournament. And in talking to their CEO, Adam Pliska, you know, one of the things that he noticed and, and saw was the streaming services. And there was a boost in viewership on the WPT because, you know, folks are going on the streaming services and finding these old things and, you know, kind of kind of getting maybe either, you know, new interest or maybe fading interest got reignited. So, you know, we'll see as it goes along. There's some tournaments here that I think will, you know, be a good gauge on it. But uh, the tentpole events, those weekend events so far, that the WSOP has held have, have done well. We, we've seen large fields, so you know it certainly seems to be you know maybe on the on the uptick a little bit. Dave Shane with us from the RJ. Uh, your old beat, the NHL Golden Knights. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think of Cassidy? Bruce Cassidy as the hire. Yeah, you know I like it on the surface. I think the one thing that I'm the skeptic of is sort of the path that he's taken through his career, and I know Kelly McCrimmon said it was a positive he he talked about how they liked how he basically went from being fired really quickly in washington to having to go all the way back to juniors and basically starting over uh, my thing is i'm a little skeptical of that of like you know hey somebody you know had a job and then basically went however many years what 12 years whatever it was like almost radioactive like he couldn't get you know a job he had to work his way all the way up so I mean, immediately that makes me a little skeptical. And then you hear some of the things out of Boston in terms of just, you know, the messaging, how the, the veterans received his, his, I guess you'd call it bluntness. All that said, though, I think maybe that's what this locker room needs. I, I think they, they need somebody who's going to come in. You know, he talked a lot about accountability and, and things like that. You know, it's a veteran group. They're going to need somebody that, that they respect that they're going to listen to that's, you know, been there. He, he nearly won a Stanley Cup in 2019. You know, who knows what happens in, in 2020 if, if, you know, the world doesn't change. I, you know, you look at the numbers, you, you look at the analytics and everything like that, and you can't argue with Boston's success. They were really good on special teams, really good defensively, you know, all the things that you want to see. So from that standpoint, I think it was a good hire if Barry Trotz is going to continue dragging his feet or if he's expressing behind the scenes that he – you know, was more interested in management, then, you know, I don't think the Knights could afford to continue to wait, especially with a candidate like that out there. So we'll see how it works. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm slightly skeptical of, you know, just how the message is going to be received. But in terms of, you know, what he proved in Boston, I, I think he was probably the best candidate out there if you, if you take Barry Trotz out of the mix. Well, you you got to it there in the middle, but I think the the bluntness and the you know the messaging that he has kind of been known for 
if if ever a team is going to be you know ready or needing to accept it, it it's this roster right i mean it seems like it fits in that regard yeah you know and i had talked to a couple of people after they had you know let pizza board go and just you know in terms of like you know what kind of coach you know do they need one of one of the names that i had thought would have been interesting um, and he has a similar history with George McPhee in Washington with Bruce, uh, excuse me, Bruce Boudreaux up in Vancouver uh, before everything, you know, got settled there. And obviously they retained him and he returned. And, and one of the things that I was told was that locker room would walk all over him. And I thought that was very interesting. I thought that was maybe a glimpse into sort of what they need and, and who they are. They, they are veter- veterans, you know, you've got, Mark Stone, obviously, who hasn't won, but it's been around. Alex Petrangelo's got, you know, Stanley Cup. Alec Martinez, you know, these guys have been around, and they need, I think, a firm voice that they respect. And that's going to be the hard part or the challenge, I think, for Bruce Cassidy right away is to just come in and, and immediately get that respect, you know, immediately have their ear. But I think it's a different locker room in that regard. It, it, it and the other thing, too, with this is this is a short-term thing. Like, they're trying to win now. This isn't about, you know, will Bruce Cassidy be here for five years, six years, like he was in Boston. I don't think they care about that. If, they, if he comes in and it happens quick, they're able to win quick, and, you know, they are able to get that, that Stanley Cup, then, you know, his message can wear out in three years, and I don't think they'll care. I think this is more about a now kind of thing, and if he's able to have that, you know, sort of that firm hand on the rudder, so to speak, that seems to be, I think, where this team is at and what they need. Do they have a Stanley Cup winning roster? I would say yes, but we have to see what they do this summer in terms of just the salary cap mm-hmm. and the teardown. And the other big question mark is just going to be the goalie. Yep. You know, I, I hate to bring it up just because it's such a hot-button issue with this team, and it has been for a handful of years. But everything that happened at the end of the year with Robin Leonard, you know, we haven't heard from him. We, we haven't heard his side of it from what it looks like. And this is just, this is just my opinion. This is just an outsider saying this. If he walked in and basically said, I'm done. I got to do this now. We're not doing it at the end of the season. As a teammate, he would have to win me back a little bit. He would have some work to do. And so in that respect, you know, the way that the goalie affects a team and, you know, as a you know, on ice and off ice, it, it it's like I've, I've compared this to a pitcher when you're standing out there like second base and the pitcher can't throw the ball over the plate, and you're just like, oh god, this is a walk, or if he does, it's going to, you know, it's going to get belted into the gap because he's sitting on a two zero fastball or something like that. If Robin Leonard can't stop pucks, he, you know, this team is going to cave. So, so this goaltender is going to be a huge thing, and that's another that's another aspect that I think Bruce Cassidy, you know, is going to have to come in and and really develop a relationship with Robin Leonard if, if he's retained and, you know, really kind of build him up and, and get him back to Stanley Cup goaltending form like he was a few years ago. Reviewjournal.com slash sports slash poker. That's where all the WSOP coverage of uh, poker action is going down with uh, all the stories from Dave Shane. Dave, we appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Have a good show. There he is. Dave Shane, one of your coworkers. What do you know? What, what do you know about that point that he brought up in the last 90 seconds about Leonard and the decision to shut it down and how that went over with his teammates? Again, you guys didn't have locker room access. Yeah. So it's not as easy to find out, but is that going to be an issue? I mean, it depends how it all went down. I, okay. I don't think anybody still knows. And I mean, it, because the team was so 
strange in its messaging and how they talked about it and <laughs> yes. what they yes. what they said. Yes. I mean, it, it's it's also possible that his teammates were like, "Why do you keep making this guy play?" That they had his back. Like, what he clearly is hurt. Why is he playing? What are you doing to him? What are you doing to us? Like, that's possible too. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying anything is possible in how that whole situation went down. So um, that will obviously be one of the first orders of business. You know, can does Cassidy want to make it work? Can he make it work? How are they going to be able to? How would they be able to manage it if they do want to move on? It's it's not going to be easy. Just like it wasn't easy with Flurry. They had, to, they had to basically pay somebody to take Flurry. Five o'clock hours on the way. Adam wrote a uh, banger of a story about the NFL and values of franchises going up because of the uh, Broncos purchase. Just how rich is Mark Davis now?